have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right side, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with him into the temple courts. Walk. What do you have? Like, I, I just, I, I love climbing into the minds of the, of the, bio, of the, of these stories, and thinking about what the debrief was after these stories. Like, the text just moves on. Like, that happened. What? Like, were they walking away, and they were like, <laughs> John and Peter are talking, like, did you know you were going to do that? <laughs> I can know, dude. That just, like, came to me in a moment. I was like, I just, you should stand up and walk. And I was like, I can't believe that actually happened. I know it works. Like, like, what was that conversation like as they walked away from the scene? It gets recorded like it's an everyday act. And in Acts 2.40, you read this passage, like, save, you know, you get this incredible sermon, his teaching, and then 3,000 were added. Like, 3,000 people were like, yes, I want to follow this Jesus, this incredible moment. The sociologists are still trying to make out. Like, still, like, these aren't, this isn't just a Christian discussion. The scholarly world makes sense of the sociological implications of how fast Christianity spread even before Constantine made it the religion. Fascinating to read these writers just try to come up with theory upon theory of how we know ideas spread. That's why most people then go back and go, there probably was something that happened. Because the only time ideas spread as fast as they do in the Roman Empire, this is Rodney Stark and Nancy Wright both comment on this on other people's research, and they say, the only, well, the sociologists said there had to have been something that happened, some pivotal event, because when we look through history, it's the only time and the only way ideas spread that fast, especially in the ancient world. It wasn't like throw it on Twitter, hey, Jesus Christ, that rabbi rose from the dead. Like, there's no spread like that. And so many just simply posture, oh, if there was some, like this is, again, scholars that are not followers of Jesus writing, like something must have happened. They've already ruled out the resurrection, but something pivotal and epic and explosive must have happened to cause this to happen. I'll just leave you with that. This moment takes place and 3,000 are added to their number. All of this unbelievable, um, like this, this harvesting of people are like turning to come to know and walk the way of Jesus. And this just kind of, then the story moves on. Like, how do you capture this stuff? 3,000 were added to the number. We had this incredible service. Yeah, and then we went to Julian's, and I had an omelet. It was killer. Like, just the story just moves right on. How many of you have had moments, like, in whatever your faith, where somebody, like some God, spiritual type sense, was doing something, and it wasn't you, but it was happening, like, through all these people around you. You saw something that you knew was God, and then the more you tried to explain it, the dumber you sounded. I don't ever have a moment like this. You're trying to explain it, and the more you articulate it, you're like, I, I just, I, I can't explain it to you, man. It's just this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and these people did this, and that showed up on my doorstep, and then, and you're just sort of like, wow, like, how many coincidences are going to happen like this? How many of you, just with this baptism, you're overwhelmed with emotion, you're remembering the simplicity in these moments of when you first came to know Jesus? Why is it that when God is at work, it's so hard to find the right words. I would say this. There is a fundamental mystery to how God works in the world. And it's wrapped up, I think, in this. God uses real people at real times and in real places. God uses real people at real times and real places. There has been a movement for thousands of years of incredibly flawed and jacked up 
and hypocritical and funny-looking people that have answered the call of the God of the universe who doesn't need anything and have been invited into the story and mission of seeing the rule and reign of Jesus go forth in the world. That might be why some of you are sitting here today. Where God's invitation, people who say yes to this, go to the ends of the earth, show them who God is, be priests, be people that, that show the world what God is like. Four years ago, we started this community. It was coming out of what was six, seven years, getting together on Sunday night and worshiping together learning together, serving together. About 30 of us came up to the city in a small little art gallery over here on the west side where Leviathan is now. That's why that place is so blessed. Phil, Christy, you here? Yeah. With all this in, in mind, with this sense that God had invited us into his story. See, the church doesn't have this mission. Like, the church doesn't get to really write the mission statement. I do, uh, I do workshops all the time with church planners, and I get frustrated because I have to walk through this curriculum where I have to get them to articulate a mission statement. I hate it. That's why we don't have this, like, concise, cute mission statement. We have, like, a why, a what, and a how. Because every church has the same mission statement. The church doesn't have a mission. There is a mission that has a church. There is a mission of God that he's been up to want to redeeming all things. And I can sit here and posture and give you my theory as to why and choice and freedom and love. And you could throw out six other different ideas as to why that is. But if we're just going to hug the mystery for a minute, God is inviting us to join him in making all things new, in demonstrating and announcing the good news that Jesus is king. Not Obama, not Trump, not Putin. I could go down the list. That even the enemy and the evil and the brokenness that lurks inside our own DNA and the world around us, it doesn't have the last word. That there is a new world breaking forth in the midst of this one. And that we can join with him in that. In such small but profound ways that no one will ever see. To the loud ones on top of a stage. We can join God in what he's doing. In fact, he invites real people at real times in real places. People that have been overwhelmed. People who didn't have their theology all figured out. The beginning of sanctuary, I mean, we were, we were more blessed than a lot of plants, but I mean, just so young. Like the folks that were like the functional elders of our church. I mean, we were what, like 22, 23 years old? <laughs> like, let's do this. Like, I was the old guy in the room at 28. Like, like, this is, this is not going to go well. <laughs> and and, and it, was, it, was, it was this 
understanding that we have to join with what God is doing in our city. We have to do this. We have to create a space, a safe place, a sacred place for people that are far from God, who aren't listening. My heart is for people that aren't listening. That's why I don't really bother with much theological debate. If you come at me and you're like, I don't really like your ecclesiology, and I'm just cool. There's tons of other churches that will do that. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in the people that aren't listening. This is what the first church does. They go up to places like Mars Hill. It's this great story where Paul walks up. The cultural elite are are debating and talking about philosophers, about who God is and what God's like, what spirituality is. It's it's incredible. You've got, you know, you got your Oprah's. You got your Deepak Chopra's, right? You've got leading, you know, rabbis and, 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 and leading imams. I mean, not literally. Someone's like, wow, Oprah's in the Bible. You have these leading spiritual voices, and Paul walks up, and they have this one altar that they had made to an unknown God, which is actually a beautiful thing. It's a sort of agnostic thing, like, hey, there's probably another God out there that we don't know. There's probably some other way that's also true. And whatever was happening, Paul walks up, and he knows the language. He knows the culture. And he goes, let me tell you about what all these things that you're kind of searching for where I believe they point to. And we say often, providence is preaching and evangelizing all sorts of ideas all the time. And we simply are stepping to the table and saying, can we articulate where we think the life is, where the love is? So, real people, real places, real times. An idea of a community called Sanctuary that would begin to participate with God and what he was doing and renewing in our city. So, new folks. I've uh, had my moments of deep skepticism about religion. Uh, I can understand to a degree what it looks like to walk into a church and uh, asking questions like, do you want anything from me? Like, you're still listening to me right now? Is this going to go to, like, some big ask for money? Um... Is this going to lead to, like, if I stick around and you pull the curtain back and I find out, like, there's some megalomaniac, like, pulling all the strings, there's some deep-rooted, you know, hypocrisy, whatever it may be, um, I have and others around you have shared those same sorts of concerns. And so today, we're just going to kind of pull back the curtain a little bit um, and, and kind of unpack just really briefly a little bit of where we're going this new year, some things that we've been praying about, thinking about, things that we're still going to be processing through over the next month or two. Some stuff that has kind of come out of conversation and dialogue with leaders. Things that have been actually looming from a year ago that we haven't really like, locked into place. That we're going to set some really, con- we have set some really concrete goals. So you'll get a little bit of a glimpse of kind of a bit of what's happening behind the scenes. So some family business. First off, uh, we did the Advent offering this year. I was texting my wife for the final number because we had a really last-minute gift and I didn't have it. I'm checking my text now, and I do not have it still. What I do know uh, is that it was over double. Over double what we had asked for. We are a broke community. Churches our size and the budget that we have, oh, man, I get laughed at straight up. I was at a church planning conference. Uh, and people are like, dude, how are you doing? You have a church of like 
250, 300 or so that like in and out and you, that's your budget. Cool. I love that, man. I mean, I love it on the one hand because I know we just have, how many of you, uh, I have not silver and gold college students in the room. Amen. Yeah, exactly. You've been like tithing, like your, your parents, like coffee money that you get. Like, I appreciate that. We're doing like, we bought some sweet pencils because of that. Like, thank you. Thank you. Rick in his church plant, he was going to be able to afford some notepads. It's going to be sweet. Um, I say that, and then when we make this push every year to kind of focus the giving in some particular areas, even that number is pretty modest, $20,000. See if we could raise $20,000 together to go toward, and we have these four articulated missions. This year, we doubled that. And then on top of that, there were just some incredible gifts that came in that we're actually not counting toward that, that were just in general, like, These are really incredible, gracious gifts towards the vision and values of where we're going. So some of the things that that was focused in on that we're going to be able to kind of go further and think more creatively about now in some exciting ways is planting churches. It's one of our main goals, planting in general, home groups and churches. So Sanctuary North is going to be being sent out, uh, if all goes well, the third week after Easter when we celebrate our anniversary service. Yeah, they've got, Rick Rick and his team put together, I think, around 30 folks we like ready to go and start planning this church. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, uh, where Sia, Joman, Mancuso's, can you stand up real quick? Grant, Elizabeth, uh, who must have missed him? Mike. Mike, you stand up there. Come on, you know, Kirsten. Uh, so these, these folks are the beginning of a team that's um, started a new home group um, and sort of essentially kind of a core a relational core that's going to now open up and be able to invite other folks into the life of the community. So give it up for them in starting a new home group. Thank you, guys. Um, we want to plant three more home groups this next year. Uh, Aaron Corey, who was up here before, uh, who is our, like, high A apostle. If you don't know what that means, that's okay. It means she's really good at starting stuff, um, in- including, you know, other things. <laughs> Just saying. Um, <laughs> yep. That one will go down in the record books. Um, we have some people who are gifted in this, who are, who are not just skilled, but God has granted them a gift and given them a gift. And so we want to start more um, home groups. Places, those of you who are new, places where people can walk the way of Jesus together and do life. It's really hard to do family, right, when you've got 300 people in the room. It's a little hard. Bring everybody together in smaller groups. Um, a team, we've had uh, two vision gatherings um, for something that over the next year we'll begin to develop, which is a new church plant on the east side, which is incredibly exciting. So that's one of our goals is planting. The mission of God goes forward. We are, we, we are as a church, want to join God in what he's doing. These aren't just uh, out of my or some other leader's desire to like do more stuff for fun so we feel like we're earning our keep. This is about understanding that, that, that this is our time. This is our time to step into what God is doing and seeing the kingdom demonstrated and announced. Seeing the way of Jesus demonstrated and announced to the world, being an outpost of heaven. Two, we want to develop a culture of conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit. So this is something that has been coming, has been happening over the last year and a half, something we've been praying for. Um, we haven't articulated it in this language. That language is actually directly taken uh, from, our co- from the covenant, um, the denomination that we're a part of. I just want to invite, there's a ton of people that could stand at this. I just want to invite um, Greg Johnson. Where's Greg? 
you stand for a second? This is Greg Johnson. Greg, um, along with uh, um, uh, Joman and Sia and Waka and a few others, have kind of put together a little strike team. Team Spirit? What are you going to call yourself? Yeah, whatever. Team Spirit. <laughs> Smells like. Um, so this, this community is going to help us in some really, really specific ways go further. We don't want to change the channel on developing the gifts um, so a lot of this comes to increasing the number of partners who are hearing God's voice, operating in the gifts, depending on the Holy Spirit, within the larger church community, developing a more robust prayer team, that at the end of the service, we say things like this, you Pentecostal folks are going to love this, we say at the end of the service, hey, the altar's open. All that means is there's going to be like more folks than normal who are way more equipped than normal to actually just pray for you. And you might come up and just need prayer ministry. I've never been a part of a church that's done that. Not just I have a concern or a need, but like you're not just being ministered to by hearing a sermon and someone talking about the text. You're not just being ministered to by having a place to worship. You're not just being ministering to by the liturgy that invites us to, but actually people who can just be like, hey, hey, what's up? I, I don't even actually even know. Don't, don't talk to me. I want to pray for you. <laughs> who can just bless and send along with a more developed ministry around how we can care for people in a time of prayer and developing a culture of that. We're going to have two um, kind of weekends, prayer, Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call it, weekends where we're gonna get away with some folks that are really highly trained and help our leadership community and our partner community develop and grow in the spiritual gifts and be more open. There's a lot I can say about that. A team day, next Saturday's team day, which we'll get to in a minute, I'm gonna unpack a lot more of this um, and mention some ones that we wanna invite people into the process of helping shape. Three, uh, develop a healthy leadership pipeline. Um, we want to be more strategic than we have been. Um, and so... Uh, this is, we will know, seeing an increase of numbers of leaders at every tier of leadership among our current leadership community demonstrating higher investment. Where are, we, we, we know some of our leaders of leaders, but where are the other ones? That we can really have a more robust and healthy leadership community. Um, again, I won't get into all the details of that. Uh, the next one, and this is going to be highly shaped too by um, uh, Lonnie, who was up here praying before. Um, it's close to his heart, I know, biblical literacy. We have a lot, how many folks, I don't know, I do this hands. There's a lot of folks in this room who are brand new to Jesus, who have walked in and kind of, I think I'm a Christian because I kind of show up to church. I'm not sure what I know about all this. Uh, some people who love to just sort of like, I don't know, pull whatever like Bible quote comes down from Instagram and appropriate it to their life. And that's great and beautiful and an amazing place to start. But in other words, there's a lot of people who don't know the scriptures. And as we talked about last week, we want to place ourselves under the scriptures to learn from the story of God that has authority because God has authority and this is the story of him working in the world. And so we get to learn and develop. And so we're gonna be offering a number of like some strategic things throughout the year to help us um, do better with that. Four, we wanna develop a culture of storytelling and sharing. The two things, one isn't actually here with you. There's gonna be cards that are gonna be in the front. It's just gonna say, you know, our story. Really simple, an opportunity for you to just regularly check in, and we're going to create moments in our liturgy for you to jot down, hey, what, what's God doing? Good, bad, ugly, where have you seen God at work? Simple examines for our community, because we need more inputs to be able to tell more stories. Two, Kara Jobeck, was, is Kara here today? She may, not be, she may not be here. Yeah, she is. Hey, Kara. Kara was here till really late last night um, under all sorts of duress, putting together a story booth. So this is kind of a new addition to our space. So on the, right on the uh, other side of the coffee bar, you go, there's a curtain, you take three steps up, and there's a, a chair and a table and some instructions. It's just a recorder. In other words, for those of you that don't like writing things down, those of you who are more verbal processors, 
Uh, I know this was <laughs> partly just for me. I was like, we need this because this is what I would do. I wouldn't take a card and write it down and throw it in the thing. And so all this is, you don't have to worry about the quality. This is just another way to capture. So similar to a photo booth, you go in, you got to capture this moment. Maybe you come into church on Sunday. It's beforehand. Maybe it's after. You know, it only can do three or four, you know, maybe even on a Sunday. But if you have a story to share, go. Really simple. Hit record. Hey, God's been doing this in my life. I saw this happen. I got to tell you the story that happened from home group, and I forgot to tell anybody. But whatever God's doing in your heart, jot your name down. And this gives us a chance to record and collect and do a better job. Part of the Sunday space is pushing back against all the narratives of despair and being able to share narratives of hope. Not just theory, not just ideas, and not just the stories from the scripture. But we believe that God wasn't just at work in the Bible, he's still at work now. And so there are sacred and beautiful and authoritative stories that can be told in our community this year. And so we are passionate about wanting to do a better job of that. And these are just two small mechanisms to be able to do that. So please feel free, anyone who wants to kick that off if you haven't already in the story booth. Now we set goals because we're on mission together. Because there's a, there's a number of other goals. We'll get to those at Team Day. I just wanted to mention a few. We're called to be an outpost of heaven, to look more like and lean into the call of God. Again, our church doesn't have a mission. There is a mission and it has a church. So it's helpful for us to give language to the spaces that our community operates in so we can serve and love and run together. This is the last bit of logistical thing I want to share before we close. There are three spaces in our community. I believe we have a slide for this. Maybe not. Yes. Amazing slide. Think of these as, as zones, as spaces. Space one is our community, like our city, the people that you live near, our region, Providence, metro area. We serve. We are a part of serving, blessing, caring for that community. We operate as a church in that space. Really obvious. We are here in an actual physical place. And so there are folks that maybe don't regularly attend that are somehow even loosely connected with us because they're connected to you that are in some way a part of this community. Two, congregational space. This is like the uh, completely non-coercive zone for exploration, dialogue, and dissent. I.e., there are folks that are like hardcore peace activists sitting next to folks that are active members of the military in this room right now. There are folks that biblically have a particular view on sexuality and other folks that have a different view on sexuality that are sitting right next to each other. Look out. There are folks that are rooting for one political candidate and the other that is rooting for the one on the other side. And maybe one day there'll actually be a third side, you know? Wouldn't that be nice? Anyway, different sermon. <laughs> we, we want this congregational space. This is, this is family. Our home groups are made up of all sorts of individuals that have all sorts of different ideas and messiness all around. This is a place, not a, not a, not a lesser place, than leadership, not a lesser place than partnership, which I'm going to say in a minute. This is the space that we kind of all live and move and have our being as a whole in the life of the church, the center, most, the most center set space in our community. And then lastly, our covenant community, which are our partners. This is a place where there's a bit of shared authority, shared practices, and shared theology. 
and we want to get better at doing this together. Our partners meet regularly. The commitment for partners is you um, quarterly. We have these team events and one retreat. You have to be at all those. It's just, it's not like a, you don't have to be a partner. So if you're going to be a partner, you have to be at all those. And this isn't like a mean thing. This is like a, if we're going to do this together, we've got to show up together. If we're going to have inputs and we're going to learn together and we're not going to have to, Andrew's not going to have to repeat the same thing every, every time to catch everybody up. Right, we're going to do this together. We're going to do everything we can. We're going to make sure we do team days on days that we can do childcare, so families can go there. We're, going to, we're making a ton of adjustments. But I say that and that this is a space where we grow and discern our spiritual gifts together. Uh, it's a place where we're equipping folks that, that have committed to, yeah, I'm, I'm, all, I'm not just all in. There's a lot of folks that won't be partners that are like committed to the life of this church. But these are folks that want to go to the next step of being really bound together and in serving this community. I had a bunch of pictures of didn't get to put up of just the la- again I mentioned this last week the last team day was just extraordinary it was so encouraging to really see what was like kind of working out what this was going to look like over the last year and just really simple ways that we are seeing folks step up and in input so many of these goals and visions and details we planned so many of them are from that team day like specific stuff that came up in all the different discussions. It's where we do workshops and trainings and outreach. Final word about partnership. It's a formal joining to God's people in faithfulness to bear witness to Jesus at a local and global level in a world where many seek to remain anonymous, autonomous, and non-committal. Partnership just names commitment, that's all. In a city like Providence, partnership in a church, I think, matters. It matters for the people in the community and it matters for the leaders. Matters for leaders so we know who to count on. Partnership enables leaders to know like who's gonna, who's ready to step up and willing uh, to serve. The heart behind partnership is is love committed to doing life together. Now again, if you don't want to become a partner, if you can't make those commitments, if that sounds scary, if you're not sure you want to submit to some shared practices and theology, that's okay. There's still tons of places to serve and bless. You are not a lesser member of the family. But we want to know that there's some folks like when we first launched our church that we that we can kind of first call on and serve, who are committed, not just in word, but in, in deed and in a sort of public way. So in a moment, when I close this sermon out, I'm going to ask, uh, you all received a high card in your bulletin, right? So what I'd like you to do in a moment, uh, whether literally or figuratively, is just kind of cross out the high card and just write the word, like, I'm in. And what I'm in will look like is different. What I'm in for new folks might mean that first piece, just where do you, serving. I've been new, I'm a part of the community, and I want to serve some. It's a great place to connect. Most people I know that have formed meaningful relationships in this church have done it through serving. I say this every time. This isn't because we're like just in desperate need of volunteers, though we are with kids. Please sign up for kids' volunteers. Please. We need you. We need you to love parts of the community that aren't always in the service. We need you. We need you, okay, kids. To get connected in that way, maybe to come to the the 10 by 10, to come to an intro to sanctuary class, maybe to show up at a home group for the first time, just an eat up or a dinner, just to explore the next step for you. What is that next step for you if you're you're new or if you're new-ish? You're not sure where you think about Jesus and all this. That's great. God meets us where you're at. I think that we as a church can do that. What's just the next click for you? And I encourage you to, to fill that out. To say, what, what might be the next step for me? For those of you who are part of this congregational space, you're a regular attender of the church. If you're not a part of a home group, 
I know you may have gone to one and it was weird and that person was crying too much and I didn't like it and Bible study was jacked up. Try another one. We've also changed a lot. We're trying to work on what these things should actually look like. And it's committing also, though, like forsaking your preferences for the sake of what God invites us to do, which is journey together. So maybe forsake your preferences to join a community and to commit to it, to be a part of it. If you'd like more, just check home group. We will get you the information of what ones are current, what ones are open, when they're doing dinners. Have much better communication around that sort of stuff. We have a killer admin team. Thirdly, if you've been a part of this community and you'd like to go through partnership, maybe in your last church it was called membership, you've never been a partner, sign up. We're going to do a class uh, in the coming weeks. It'll be actually over two week, two different days. Come. Just, there's no commitment. Explore what that means to be a partner, what it looks like. We have a booklet. Here's what the theology looks like. Here's how we practice. Here's how we live and move together. A lot of folks have gone, oh, that's awesome. You know, I'm going to participate in life's community a different way. I don't think I'm... I want to step up into partnership. That's great. We, we want to make it kind of a little bit uncomfortable or a little bit hard to step into it. It's a big ask. That's okay. It's a really, like, beautiful thing if you don't want to do that. So there may be different places for you in which you want to step in. Those are kind of outlined there uh, on the, the home group. So I want to close before I kind of invite you to what you're going to do with that and we come and take communion together. In reminding us of just two of our four values, here's why. All this stuff, these goals, we care about this stuff. This has been a v- values from the beginning that we see in scripture are to journey together in intentional ways. All the beginning of that sermon was like reminding us that we as a community have a mission. Some of you who are brand new and stepping in, right? The, you're like a part of that of this being a place where maybe you're just like, I came on the wrong Sunday. I just want to sit quietly in the back and just hear something about Jesus and feel okay. That's okay. Like, come back, as I say that in the most intense, weird way possible. Like, that's what we want to create. It's part of what this space is. And for others of us, it's, it's ready and it's time to join the mission, to step up in new ways, to offer your gifts and the things that you've been given the ways in which you're growing and all of your brokenness to step in. And so this value that we have had from the beginning, we made up a word called withward. And we say this, we are called to journey together as one body. We value the image of God and all people everywhere. We believe that we were created to live deeply with one another, carrying each other's burdens, sharing our possessions, to pray for and confess our sins to one another, to suffer and to celebrate together to mourn and to drink together, to come alongside and to eat together. It's in these honest, loving relationships that God transforms us and truth becomes reality. The way of Jesus cannot be lived alone. And so on one way that we journey together is we journey outward. There's a lot of ways we journey together, but this is the way we articulate everything that was just shared this morning. We as a community journey in the mission of God and we say this. We believe that Jesus is God in human form and that the church is God's ongoing presence in the world, the body of Christ. Led by the spirit of God, we are passionate about relieving suffering and fighting injustice, joining God in the renewal of everything. Jesus calls his church to be a compelling force of good in the world and we believe that the church is at its best 
when it serves, sacrifices, and loves caring about the things that God cares about, demonstrating and announcing the good news of Jesus. We were created to live for something larger than ourselves. Let me get a bit triumphant on you. We're not gonna stop. It is amazing how little interference this church has had. How little interference that we have had in our mission. God has prepared us, and we could say this every year and every day, for a time such as this. However we work out the sovereign will of God, he placed us here now with these people, with the friends that you have, with the people that you run with. Like, here, here we go. It's always been like this, but sometimes we need an outside voice to go, it's, it's your time. It's our time, church. It's always our, this is it. Like, 40, 50, 60 years, like, you're not going to be here. It's amazing the doors that God has opened. The amount of people that have said something like this won't work in Providence is astounding. Stuff like this doesn't work in the Northeast. And my response has always been, have you tried? You don't understand, Providence doesn't go for this. (laughs) And, And the response of so many of our leaders have been, let's just change Providence then. Let's just change, let's change the world one Providence at a time. It's a good name for the sermon. History is the story of God giving away power. After entrusting people with the gift of choice, God invited its representatives to act as partners, even to argue and wrestle with the one that created them. Yet virtually everyone God picked to lead a new venture, Abraham, Adam, Moses, David, proved disappointing in part. Apparently, God committed to work with human partners no matter how inept. Jesus stayed on earth barely long enough to assemble a dozen followers no less flawed to whom he handed the keys of the kingdom. Against all odds, the movement took off and the human partnership has not stopped since. Paul says we are God's fellow workers. We collaborate with God's actions in the world and as God's co-workers, we are encouraged to submit our requests, our desires and petitions. We have a mission, we have a call, we have an invitation to join God. (laughs) And so I want to end here because I wanted to end here. This is what makes sense. I knew this would already be like pushing the length. Let's just end here. I thought if we end here, I think for us, I think for some communities, they need that like, yeah, you get out, you're joined with God. What's he doing in your heart right now? What are you called to commit to? What gifts? Fill out that little dumb high card and say, yeah, yeah I, wanna, I wanna be invited into the next step. I think for us, we need that, but then we need this other little thing. I think for us, we love mission. We love justice. We love go. We love share. We love conquer the world. Or at least we say we love it because we post a lot of stuff about it even if we don't do it. Like we in theory love it. Amen? Amen? Can I get some honesty on that? Like I think this is something that we get. And so I wanted to say this. In Galatians, there's a passage about the fruits of the Spirit. All this is to say is if God's active in your life, it's gonna produce love, patience, self-control. 
There's this list of things, these, these, like, these fruits, this little bouquet of like, if God's alive in you, stuff is going to get amazing. Like the world's like, stuff's going to be hard. The world is a difficult place and you might be broke. God might invite you into a really difficult thing. But what's going to be coming out of you is going to be gorgeous. So what happens when we want to be more self-controlled I'll expand the fruit a little bit. Focused on justice, focused on mission, more loving, more peaceful. Here's what I think our generation, our time is often like geared to do, is we focus on that thing. All right, I want to be more self-controlled. I'm going to focus on self-control. I'm going to be more patient. I want to focus on patience. Some of you are obsessing over faithfulness, and you would be better to obsess over Jesus. You're obsessing over like being faithful and doing the right thing and going and, and moving and serving and being more productive with this. But that's where your aim is. Now, those things are all good. Justice is good. That's what we're talking about. I just spent 40 minutes talking to you about mission and going and being more everything, all these great things. But if our focus is on those things and not on Jesus, I'm not being simplistic here. I guess I'm being simplistic here. There's so much that stems from this, but it's got to start there. I humbly submit that it has to start here. I have found in my own life that it has to start here. We render the grace of God useless all we're focusing on is the ends. If you focus on Jesus, you get all nine fruits of the Spirit. Jesus says, come to me all who are weary. He's everything I need. He's the one-stop shop. I can focus my attention on Jesus, my eyes only for Jesus. And so the verse that undergirds our whole church is that, Lord, you've done so much. We've read it, we've seen it, we've seen others, we've heard stories, and now it's our time. What's gotten fuzzy and cloudy, I think, for us often isn't the mission. It's the source, the power, the authority. All authority can't be given to you if you're not willing to place yourself under his authority. So let's do that. If you're new and you're like, what? It's all just opening your heart and realizing there's a lot that I don't get that I am messed up in, that doesn't make sense in the world, and there's something stirring in me. I would love to trust that I am loved exactly where I'm at, no matter what. I am loved and forgiven, and there's a God, there's the center of everything that makes sense of this, that wants to bless me and invite me into a mission that is way bigger than anything, that everything from the lowly worker to the stay-at-home parent to the person elevated in the world's eyes, all are equal footing in this mission of seeing the love and justice of Jesus go forward. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on God. And so the prophet says, Lord, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I've heard of what you did. I heard of Nicole's story. I've heard of how you changed our... our <laughs> Our pastor from this gluttonous, 
all the crap that I was, like into like this, he's doing church and he never wanted to do it. I've heard the stories about the homeless in our community that are homeless. I've heard the stories of folks that are, have, have been passionate people working against the things of God who have, who have turned around. I've heard these stories. I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. I've read the scriptures. I've seen healing. I'm in a church. I'm an enlightened 21st century American, and I'm in a church. What am I doing here? This makes no sense. Heard of your fame. Stand in awe of your deeds. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. Habakkuk's eyes are on God, and he says, do it again. We need you here. We want to know the fruits of the Spirit. Do it again. Grace-filled, merciful lover. I want to be a person willing to risk death. I want to be the faithful nobody who serves the cause of love in the world. I want to keep my eyes on Jesus. I end there. I end there today because we talk a good game of mission. And I am ready to step up and go. But as Moses said, I don't want to go anywhere, God, if you're not going with me. That starts with us. If you're here and you want to say yes to Jesus, you should do it. I think he's worth following. I'd love to talk to you about him. Maybe some of you have said yes recently and seal this moment of mission by, by maybe being baptized today. So as we have done the last like three weeks in a row, we're going a bit late and that's okay. Don't look at your watches. Everyone tells me not to do that and I do it. We're still gonna take communion. If you wanna say yes to Jesus or if you wanna be baptized, if you need to be prayed for, line up in this line. Line up in this line or just beeline it already over there. Just stand up. Maybe when I pray, you can just sneak over. For everyone else, when we come to the table, let's be reminded of the thing that we try every week to be reminded of, that we are Christ's body broken, and Christ has broken his body and poured himself out for our healing, and that we as the body of Christ, the church and the world, the agents of the kingdom, are called to do the same. And that as we live into these goals, as we take the next step in being engaged in this community, We would know the power and authority and beauty of our God.